This is About to Drop, a podcast where I interview independent artists about music that they're about to release. In each episode, I'll have a conversation with a new artist to talk about where they came from, how they got started in music, and most importantly, what they're going to be releasing next. We'll cover all sorts of topics, including the writing process, recording, producing, and even things like marketing, branding, and promotion. So thanks for tuning in, and let's get started with the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of About to Drop. I'm Baro Avad, and I'm here with Shavar Dante. How you doing, man? Good, good, man. How are you? Good, good. Uh, you know, just another day in quarantine, which as I've been, uh, as we've gone into quarantine, I've realized that I pretty much lived my life this way anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny, man, because I was like just thinking like, like being in this line of work, there's a lot of isolation, mm-hmm. period, you know? <laughs> so yeah, man. But yeah, thanks for having me on. It's, it's totally a pleasure. Oh, of course. Thanks for doing it, man. This is, uh, like, I've, I've, like we spoke about earlier, this thing is kind of picking up a little quicker than I had anticipated. So um, it's very cool to see so much interest in it. I mean, it makes sense. You know, it's a great way, I think, for, for you guys to get your, your story out there. Um, but it's really cool to, you know, be able to to provide this um, this platform for you guys. Yeah, man. And, you know, for me, I always, I'm always appreciative and grateful to connect with, with people through my music. And you have a beautiful platform to you. So it's, uh, I don't know, everything, even the smallest things to me are the biggest things. Mm-hmm. a big deal, you know, so I appreciate it, man. No, for sure, man, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, why don't we start from, like, the, the very top. Can you tell us how you got started with music? Like, um, were you, like, how old were you? Like, what, what sparked the interest? Um, and just try and take us all the way from, from the beginning until where you are today. So, I was just out of high school, and I was... This is kind of crazy, man, but I was, like, driving around late night after a party with a good buddy of mine and a couple other people, and we were going to start this band, and, like, I went and bought a guitar, because I was totally serious. No one else bought anything, by the way, (laughs) so I went out and bought a guitar, and then I just started teaching myself to play, and then I took lessons from someone that became a really good friend. Uh, he's, he also writes a couple of those. Uh, he's got fretboard theory book, and he's got a book that he did with uh, the guitar for dummies. He wrote a couple of those, but hmm. a buddy of mine, Desi Cerna, and he's like a, a session guy in Nashville, but I took lessons from, from him for like a year, I think, and then just continued just taking my guitar, playing anywhere, anybody was playing music, 10 hours a day, it didn't matter what was going on, I would have my guitar, and I would show up anywhere there was a party, like, I don't care what kind of music it was, <laughs> and and then, um, literally, probably about a year and a half of playing, somehow I got the idea and auditioned, I was teaching myself to read and theory, too, along with what I learned with Desi, um, which was a great help. And then I ended up getting into a really good 
music school with uh, Chris Mazzelli, who's a really awesome guitarist down in, in Bowling Green State University in Ohio. So from there, it was kind of crazy. I was getting on, I got on the tour while I was in college and got to play like all over, all over the country. Just play, I was just playing guitar at this point and mm-hmm. writing instrumental music and and then um, I got to go over and tour in Europe and all kinds of places, the Caribbean, and I, I just got a lot of experience just playing and being completely immersed in, in music. And so if you fast forward a few years after that experience, I was in a band, and the singer, I, I'll just say this, I became, I started singing and writing songs by default kind of at first because it just wasn't working out and I just started doing my own thing, writing tunes and then that pretty much led us to here. I met um, this guy, good friend of mine, through another guy who's a friend of mine I went to college with, um, but I met Dylan Eli who I've been working with since my very first demo and he was working at the time with uh which someone i don't even want to name but you would know who it was <laughs> but yeah but but it's kind of a controversy this guy not with his his like interaction or anything like that but the, the guy is kind of a controversial guy but anyway i met him through a mutual friend that we've been working together and he opened up his studio in L.A., and um, I used to live there, too, and he's, like, out with with Justin Bieber now. So we just have, like, this bond, and we create together in a comfortable environment, and we've just been making music, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and that's, it's... That's crazy. It's, it sounds like you've accomplished a lot you know, considering that you started after high school. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, um, but you know, I feel like there's people that are just born with some kind of passion for music. Some people don't play an instrument, some people, whatever. And it was always there. And I feel like I was like, before I ever picked up an instrument, I was recording stuff from the radio and trying to like do whatever or like messing around on any sort of trying to make beats on like a Casio keyboard that was around. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have like access to everything when I was younger, you know? So I feel like if I did, I probably would have started when I was like five years old or something when I snuck and watched Purple Rain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Cause yeah, I was going to ask like when, you know, you, you started uh, relatively late, I guess, like, you know, after after high school. W- was, that, was there a passion for music before then, or did it kind of all happen when you decided to get a guitar? No, it was, there was always, always there. Like, I would literally wake up on Saturday mornings and just, like, listen to radio or old, like, records that my grandparents had. Like, and, you know, like, at that time, I didn't even know, like, what that uh, record was. Or there was, like, old 8-tracks mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, 8-track to cassette converters. Mm-hmm. And so I would, like, discover all this music 
And initially, I was just trying to, like, scratch records. So, like, I'm, like, trying to, like, DJ on this mm-hmm. old furniture piece turntable. Yeah, I've done that. So I, yeah, yeah. So, and, and you like, fuck up all the I records? Was, yeah, exactly, man. So I had, like, an eight-track to cassette converter. And I'm like going to trying to go between the cassette and the record that's playing. <laughs> it's hilarious, man. But yeah, and then I would do stuff like I didn't know what any of this was. So like slicing tape together and like making like crossfades to cut the DJ's voice out. Like when I recorded like stuff off of the radio, mm-hmm. having no idea what that that was like something that happened like decades before on like two-inch tape or whatever, but yeah, so I've always had it. It was just in a form of being passionate about listening, kind of imagining myself doing something. I just didn't know what it was at the mm-hmm. time. Did I mean, did you want to perform and create music at, at this stage, or were you not there? Yeah, I I did, for sure, and I definitely, I was exposed to all kinds of music, and I definitely wanted a guitar. I wanted, like, I was definitely huge into hip-hop stuff, and I also grew up with stuff like just all kinds of electronic stuff, Like, because I lived in Mich- Saginaw, Michigan, and I had a lot of family from Detroit. And Toledo is, Detroit is basically halfway in between if you took 75. So there was just a lot of influence from like craft work and stuff that I thought was normal that I figured out later wasn't normal, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, outside of, outside of the region. But yeah, so I definitely had a passion for it. I just didn't know, I guess when you're not exposed to something, you don't necessarily know what's out there, mm-hmm. you know, what's read- readily available. I, the first time I ever really seen, or saw a guitar was like seeing Prince on Purple Rain. Like I didn't, you know, like yeah. that was like my first memory of of a guitar. And I mm-hmm. just thought that was like a polarizing moment for me watching that movie. Sure, it's classic. Yeah, for sure. So, so is it safe to say that, or assume that there wasn't really like too much music in your family growing up, like or musicians in your family? Um. So. Not that I knew of. My cousin played trumpet that I'm really close with, and he had a guitar. He told me I don't remember that. I was like mm-hmm. the little one running, getting forced. They had to watch me if they wanted to go. <laughs> so um, my cousin did, and um, there was like my mom told me that one of like one of the temptations is like somehow related so i i don't know but nothing that was in my proximity there was no one playing any instruments like my uncle was the artist visual artist but and he had a lot of influence on me growing up but that's it Mm -hmm. okay so um so what made you transition to doing like the solo thing so you were playing as like a gigging guitarist for a long time and well, actually, why don't we take a step back? How was your experience um, touring while you were in college? Uh, it was good, man. Um, I learned a lot of... I just got a lot of experience mm-hmm. just being in situations that I learned a lot of what not to do, too. But I definitely... I definitely... Uh, 
learned a lot about just that life, you know, like being on the road and, and, uh, I, and it was at a younger age getting able, being able to go to different countries and experience different cultures. And that definitely changed, changed my life too. Honestly. Oh, it was a worldwide like, tour? Yeah. So I would do, I would do, we would do these small things that like one was in the Caribbean and then US, then Europe. And so I think one of the biggest takeaways that whole period of my life was there was so much, so much that I was exposed to that wasn't like what pop culture in America was showing us, mm -hmm. you know? So like, I feel like my whole perspective on life in general changed during that period, being able to see people in Eastern Europe that were living in poverty and like, I don't know. It just changed. It changed my perspective on a, on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. For sure. So, but yeah, yeah. So all it's all kind of tied in together with. And at the time, I don't know if I realized how that it would affect me for the rest of my life and how I look at things, like mm -hmm. musically and just, at just like socially too. You right. Know? So. And, and around what year was this? So it was in the mid two thousands. Okay. So yep, like so right around two thousand six, two thousand. Mm. Yep. And how did you get the opportunity? Because you said you were still in college, right? So how does uh, well, you know, did you have to audition for for it, or was it just through a reference? No, it it was audition, and then I also played with like a gospel group playing guitar on that circuit too, doing the same kind of a thing for for a couple years too. But yeah, it was it was an audition mm -hmm. process. Um how, how did you like the uh the tour life? Um I dig it, but you know like for me I when I started getting like the bug just writing my own my own music, mm -hmm. I feel like or just, but I mean I guess like if you're a part of the the process it's different too so there's other projects that that I'm I might contribute like guitars and stuff to too and like I like love going out with those projects and it like and it uh, definitely gives me something where I'm not doing every single aspect uh, of mm -hmm. the process so I get to go have fun and and play and maybe or maybe not contribute like ideas sometimes i do sometimes i don't but mm -hmm. um i i do enjoy it like i i do enjoy it and there's there's different tiers of touring that i don't really i've gone through the like being in a car solo extreme to like having all expenses paid too oh, you wow. know what i mean and, and flying and like resort style touring to like and catering to like having no budget mm -hmm. and there's like something that i really loved about both you know uh -huh. but okay the, even the uncomfortability but there's something to be said about just going out there and just you know throwing caution to the wind and 
going out there and getting in front of people that aren't your friends, you know? So even if it is like solo in a car and like being, it's helped me stuff up all of my, my business, like for 100% for sure. And it really made me like think about the whole thing as a business and more than just, just out there, just, just to have fun solely so sure absolutely yeah i i uh before producing full-time i used to play in a band and i i tell the story a bunch but like yeah I, i've done the touring across the country in a hyundai sonata like, <laughs> yeah you know yeah man it's yeah, uh man. yeah it's, it's definitely an experience i'm glad i did it but it's it's not for me <laughs> yeah i i don't i definitely don't plan on touring that way again mm-hmm. I, I've put it I've paid my dues doing yeah. that man like <laughs> but you know like at the time you know so there was like a gap between playing for other people and then doing my own thing too so like you're not starting out like going away from having budget big budgets or bigger budgets to do to be able to be on tour and you're not flipping any bills to being like just solo man mm-hmm. like not even trying to figure out like even just downsizing everything to be able to even make a tour happen because that was one thing i've had times paying you know paying band members and paying because you know you, you kind of have to do that like the, the way i have it structured mm-hmm. you know i don't really ask anybody to just do anything for free you know what i mean so yeah. That that's even that's even tougher, but in the long run, the wheels aren't going to fall off either. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, man, <laughs> I've literally and had that... wheels fall off the the car in tour. <laughs> 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 like literally. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I I uh, I so I like five years ago. I think it was a while ago, but I uh, I did like this kind of solo tour and I would play with friends of mine they would play with me when I was in Texas but I was recording down there Dylan had his his studio in Corpus Christi for a while before in LA and uh, so man I was like doing this tour in uh, 1988 and it was like mint condition Mm -hmm. at the time but an 88 Cadillac Eldorado. Oh, shit. And, like, <laughs> yeah, man. So I'm, like, driving. I got pulled over. It was funny. I got pulled over in Tennessee, like, three times, like, just by cops wanting to know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> but I literally had to get four new tires because there was, like, thin lines of, like, dry rot. The tires didn't look like they were bad, but, mm-hmm. like, after driving that far, like in the middle, just outside of Nashville, in the middle of the woods, like I had to get all four new tires, like just from some random shop. Yeah. And I, they probably didn't even balance them, you know? What I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude. That's crazy. So, so how did you make the transition over into doing the solo thing from touring? And it sounds like you uh, you had a creative itch that you weren't quite getting scratched from from playing other people's music. Is that how how it started? Um, you know, I never I never really thought of it like that because 
I felt I was always having to come up with parts and create different stuff. So, um, and it was usually, I, I've only really been a part of original content. It wasn't, I was never really in a cover band. Um, but it was more how I originally did it, with how I originally, what originally pushed me all the way over to taking the lead and singing too was co-writing in a band that I was in and it just wasn't working out but the singer had other stuff going on and so I just started doing it on my own and I just like wrote some songs and then and then put a demo together that's how I met Dylan like right from that from that point and then um it was just kind of man, out of necessity and then I just didn't want to wait for anyone you know what I mean? If I just had that passion, it was just, the train wasn't going to stop just because someone else wasn't like totally on board, you know? So, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. and I still feel that. I still feel that way, you know? Like the trains, my trains, I'm not going to let other people prohibit me from doing what I feel 100% I need to do. Mm -hmm. So, whatever that, whatever that means, like I'm going to like, keep pushing and it's it's a harder road but hey things happen for a reason sometimes so there's seasons so it's like i'm i'm out man you know gotta keep it gotta keep it pushing nothing personal <laughs> yeah no of course of course no, it makes total sense uh so how would you describe your sound um so I actually did this interview with this magazine, and they asked me that, and I, I, and it makes me kind of think. I think of it as like, and not the normal terms. I, I kind of think of my sound right now as like optimistic. I think I wrote my my ideal is like California cruising, optimistic. Electro pop music. <laughs> okay. So that's how I that's how I hear it. Keep my cool. This uh, this batch of songs like that I'm working on that I, I'm working on out there in LA now is like that's kind of like the the vibe mm -hmm. to me. Um. Yeah, you gotta have your elevator pitch down. I should tell everyone to like get your elevator pitch down. <laughs> <laughs> Because this question comes up so often, and I've I've been guilty of like being like, oh well, it sounds kind of like, and being vague about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It's a tough question, right? Because you have to like. I feel like uh, the way we hear our own music is like completely different than how someone else might hear it. You know, just because. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure, it is. Um, but yeah, you mentioned uh, "Keep My Cool." That's a project you're working on currently. Why don't we talk a little bit about that and how it got started? And where you are in the in the process so far? So, how it got started? Um, I started writing. So I always start, typically start all my ideas back at home. So in Toledo, just in my little project studio production room. And so I started, and then I, I started there, and then I hit up Dylan to see when he was going to be in town or if he was going to be out with whoever he's going to be out with at the time. He's always out with someone. Mm -hmm. So 
and so we just kind of uh, booked the time, and we actually we actually met up. I flew out to Vegas, and we did pre-production on. So I had like five songs I brought out there, but we worked ended up working on two. Keep my cool. Another one that I was gonna release like here soon, but I'm kind of holding up a little bit. Um, so those two are completely done. But I took this these batch of songs and we met up in Vegas first because he was with, I think it was, it was either Cher or Gwen Stefani. I, I, one of one of those two. I think it was Cher. Mm-hmm. And like so, I met up with him and we just set up a a production room in his suite in Vegas. So we did all the pre-production there. And then, so they were doing shows like three three nights a week. So we would go back and forth between Vegas and LA, back to his studio, Porsche Street. And then... I think I lost you for a second. Yeah, cut out for a second. Yeah, so um, we were going back and forth, and so we ended up, Dylan ended up, like, linking up with um, a buddy, Neil Hennessy, who's, um, he's the drummer in this this group called the Lawrence Arms, they're a punk group, really, 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 really good. He's, He's written on a bunch of other projects too and then um harv who is um the musical director for justin bieber mm-hmm. and uh, bass player live so um, we had neil in the studio with us too um to add like some live drums to like all the electronic stuff that was programmed and all of the sense just to give it like a more or- organic feel, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, because most of the stuff I programmed before, and then we just tweaked uh, when we got there, and uh, Dylan and I kind of chopped up some more drums in Vegas, and then we had Neil. Neil was with us in the studio the whole time, and then we sent some stuff over to Harv, and then he played um, bass on it. And it's like I I I can do that. But sometimes it's just good to have someone else's feel, you know. So it sure. was like a very organic, organic uh, process, you know. So, mm. but that's how we did the the first two that we have pretty much complete. So, um, and and for me too, just being a, I just feel like I'm at home there too, just because I, it's just a vibe, man. Like I just I just dig. Out of just the simplest thing, like just getting coffee, like mm-hmm. I just dig walking outside of the studio and just getting a coffee and just chilling, you know. So sure. there's just a vibe that I feel. I feel like I feel like I can be creative anywhere, but like I feel extra creative when I'm there for sure. Yeah, it's important, you know, like uh, your surroundings and like the atmosphere. It all it all plays in, especially if you're trying to be creative and and do some work, you know. Yeah, and the other thing is, too, is that, like, being around people that are just as passionate, that are, like, crazy amount of passion, like, borderline, just, like, in this day and age, you know, like, it's just a different time, and it's, 
you don't always, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but there's a higher concentration in certain areas of people that are very, very passionate. They don't think it's delusional mm -hmm. to be in the industry. You know what I mean? So it's right. not like the mentality of you need to go just work a regular nine to five. And it's like, that would actually be easier than doing this anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. <laughs> a lot. So it gives me inspiration to also be around other creative people that are just like, you know, they're just, just dope. They just like are going after what they're going after, whatever stage they are in life and their career. It's just, it's inspiring to me to see other people that have the same amount of passion about, about anything really. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like, uh, I think when you get people like that together, like, it it feeds off off of one another, uh, and it like yeah, reinforces yeah. and validates you know all the things you're trying to do. Yeah, for sure. And what was really special about this this last session with with um, Dylan and, and and Neil with me, Dylan and I just like have a really really good relationship anyway because it's like and I think that's important. I think it's important to be around people that aren't afraid to be honest with you, but aren't trying to like stifle what you're doing too. Mm -hmm. So like when you, um, so like with those two, uh, it was just a chill environment. We were just like coming up with creative stuff, you know, and like for people that don't know that like that's, you know, that's part of like producing. We co-produce these, these songs because every, if someone has an idea, that's what it, it is. You have to give them credit. I, I, that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So we had a free-flowing, like, process once we got in there. Uh, and even after pre-production, we were just, like, trying things, and some things worked. If it did, cool. If not, we just take it and, and like, leave it if it didn't work you know mm -hmm. so i that's important for me i just i just love that that free-flowing process of like trying not being afraid to try things right know, you know so so um so do you come into the sessions with like the songs pretty much pre pre-formed or do you is it kind of like a process where it, it's the the songwriting is happening while the production is happening as well and they play off each other well so usually I I will have the song written for the most part. Usually. Now like on Keep My Cool, like I had the song for the most part written. I had the chorus, I had pre I had all of that pre chorus verse, not the second verse. That's one thing I'll do. Sometimes I leave parts of the lyrics to write while I'm in the environment. Mm, okay, you know? interesting. But um, and the reason being, like, I just, my whole process has, like, changed quite a bit. So, but I, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Mm -hmm. So I don't bear too far yeah. off. But, yeah, so I'll, but then Dylan and I will do pre-production, which I think is very important. Whether you're doing it by yourself or with someone else. So once we, we'll do pre-production and, and just record all of the parts. Um, sometimes on vocals you just scratch, but not maybe not all the backgrounds, but all the guitar parts, all the so I already had all of the synth part, all the program stuff done, and then 
Um, the guitar parts will just track real quick. Some of those I, I had, but we'll just track them all. So when we're when we're like using studio time, we're not we're not like just trying to invent every single part. Mm -hmm. We're just replacing parts, you know, with with the right gear that we want to use and the right tones and everything else, mm -hmm. especially for guitar, because guitar tone is like yeah. that's an important thing for me. And and then all of the drums and, and all of that too. So we're not like completely doing all of that. We get to be creative and colorful when it's when we're in that space. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So but and the reason that I'll leave off some of the lyrics sometimes is once I get the chorus and I get the, I have all the melodies in that, and that I just sometimes I just need to move on to the next thing because I have to wear, like I I'll do production for other people, and it's I'm wearing a different hat. I don't have to do everything, so I'm like in that world. But when I'm songwriting for myself, it's I just I I just have to do that so i'll end up getting like lost in like finding a sound or, yeah, <laughs> or a uh -huh, snare uh -huh. or something for like mm -hmm. six hours you know what i mean yep, <laughs> so yep. i literally started going and just doing and i've done voice notes for a long time but i'll literally just go do a voice note on a melody i might just do the basic chords and reason or whatever i'm using and then lay down the melody and then just maybe and then i'll write i'll definitely come up with the chorus and probably the first verse and then i'll just move on to the next thing especially if i have a deadline so sure yeah so that that made me faster and getting ideas out that's great <clears throat> it's always interesting for me to hear like everyone's process because everyone does it a little bit differently and you know I think you know what works for us is always changing too, so it's it's cool to to get an insight onto onto how how you're putting things together. Yeah, for sure, man. And it's always yeah, it is kind of always different too because sometimes I'll just hear a melody and that's it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just need to like let myself like just work on just just create just be like improvisational and just with no plan and like just start messing around with something and see what happens, right. you know? So and then it's like, do like I, yeah, man. And then like, as being like, like stud, guitar is my primary instrument, but you know, a lot of us play a lot of other things too, but I, I kind of like, would just not use guitar to start mm -hmm. like intentionally just to like try to find something else too. You know, yeah, that I'm and I found too that like I write differently if I'm playing on different instruments. Like if I'm writing on piano, mm -hmm. it's gonna be a different vibe than if I write on guitar. You know, or start yeah, with yeah, yeah, for sure, man. And I think sometimes too that like sometimes our limitations on certain in instruments. For me, like, I mean, I know I'm not gonna play piano as freely as I'm going to play like not not on the same level as I'm going to play guitar mm -hmm. right so um, it kind of like forces some other kind of creativity sometimes and then like using the electronic stuff too 
you know, like mm-hmm. even a even a sound will just like inspire something completely different that I would would have never like come across. You Absolutely, know, maybe. Uh, yeah. So when when is the uh, when do you think the release date for Keep My Cool is? You said it's still in the works, correct? Well, the song we've got the song. The song is actually out now. Keep My Cool, the song, mm-hmm. the the first one, and um, so I've been thrown up in the air about like how I want to do it. I'm gonna release another song now. It's like. I'm like really, really excited about it. It's all, it's all done. Um, but we're going to release that one. And then I want to put out like a, an EP on vinyl, but I just got to kind of see because at the end of the day, I kind of want to see what people's interests are. If that's something that they want to, it's something that I want to do, but Mm -hmm. you know, I, it, it, it all costs money, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, there has I don't, don't want to have, like, yeah, exactly, so, because it's just an interest, it's just an interesting time, so, it's up in the air, like, I've got, like, I'm working on getting get it on a tour, like, maybe an eight-week run, mm-hmm. and uh, so, everything's kind of, like, been put in limbo, though, with... The, sure. the state of the world right now mm-hmm. so I, i'm just honestly i'm just feeling like i just need to just keep creating i'm going to put out the next song and even the first song keep my cool hasn't reached that the percentage of people that i wanted to reach just yet mm-hmm. so you know i think as an indie like sometimes we feel like we have to and there's nothing wrong with the approach of releasing a, a ton of a ton of music because that's, but everyone has their own approach, and it's a big world out there. Just mm-hmm. because something is like two months old doesn't mean that you should give up on the release. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and right. It's like it's just trying to figure out how to navigate and get more listeners, get get it to more listeners. You know, so it's a great point. And, and, yeah. So, and that it's none of it is like none of it is cheap to do. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I could do stuff. I could do stuff and just like, I don't know the way I want to do it. I just want to do it in that way. Cause it feels more organic to me. And I feel like if it feels more real and organic to me and it costs more money, that's just a byproduct of it. But if it feels real and organic to me, I feel like other people are going to connect with it that yeah. much more, you know? So, well, that, that's a good point you bring up about, you know, if, if, a, if a release you have is not doing as well as you expected out the gate, that it, it may just need time or you may just need to like, you know, rework your marketing or, you know, try a different approach to get it to get some traction. Um, but how do you determine whether the track is worth putting the you know time and money investment into or if it's better to just move on to the next the next release you have lined up well for me personally i feel like if people are willing to like interview me and write about it then it just it's just a matter of time of it reaching people Mm -hmm. if we can get that so independently um you know, there's been a few blogs and that 
that have wanted to write about it that I respect like their music taste too mm -hmm. and like being on your podcast being on a few more that I have lined up to and uh, radio stations that want to do that that are just like people that are that are just willing to give people a shot that they believe in their their stuff so mm -hmm. it just it makes me believe that and I believe in it so but Aside from that, I mean, those other people, not that I necessarily need their affirmation as an artist, as my business side, that tells me that, okay, we just need to reach more people because mm -hmm. you really only need like one to three percent. Three percent is huge, so, but sure. you just have to reach enough people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, right. and it's like, so if I, if I didn't get like, any 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 response i would have to second guess like my spending the allocation the mm -hmm. allocation mm -hmm. of it as a as a business person cuz i i would just say hey well maybe that should be allocated to the next song but with this i think a lot of times we don't spend enough on market enough time or budget on marketing that's a big one and just trying to figure it out like Everyone has their own thing. For me, I think doing things for a release staggered is better. So I, once I release the record, the single, like then other content related to it, I'm going to stagger over a few months. So mm. we were planning on shooting a video for this too. And, and that's always like up in the air to spend, you know, that much money on a video in this market. But that's kind of like where, where I'm at. Like I'll do like a staggered release because I just don't think you can count on. I think it's kind of like delusional to think that it's just going to blow up. That's very rare. You know what right. I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's usually like a long, steady course. <laughs> so, sure. But if you love it and you believe in it, you can make it happen, you know? So I just – I think being around people that – work with some of the biggest artists around maybe that gives me like uh confidence and hearing stories of like like firsthand of like how even some of the biggest people have like struggled and deal with things that us indies deal with too but it's like who's gonna who's gonna last the longest you know so sure. who's gonna get outworked right, right. <laughs> and that's one, yeah, and it's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lose because I'll get outworked, that's for sure, because that's not gonna happen, you know, mm -hmm. so, because I don't, I'll put in as much work as it takes, you know, however long it takes, just staying in the marathon, man, you know, so. Yeah, that's right, it's a marathon. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man, <laughs> exactly. Um, so this is this is great. So what is the uh, what's the plan look like for you for the for the next month, six months, or year? I know we got uh, things might have been derailed with the, all this virus stuff, but um, you know what do you have in the works? So I I have a few things, man, like in the works. So working on working on new material out in Los Angeles for sure. But I'm also like I've also been putting together kind of like a. I don't want to call it a docu-series, but like kind of documenting a lot of stuff like through the process, like out in LA and 
and uh, the whole process of like potentially getting on the tours and stuff like that. Like that's one of the uh, one of the long term goals in this next year that I'm working. It was already supposed to start filming. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to start shooting that in L.A., but everything I was going to be out there, <laughs> going to be out there during this time, but that's not going to happen. So that um, releasing releasing more music for sure, and um, and and hopefully landing on one of the tours that I want to get on it. Cause I don't want to just get on anything. It doesn't make sense to, if I don't think I, I'm going to, it's going to be, I'm going to get anything out of it. I'm not going to do it. I don't care if it's like even a bigger name, if it's not going to connect mm-hmm. me, if I'm, if it's not going to connect, I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? So, sure. Um, but those three things like the docuseries, new music and tour for sure. And writing other, helping out with other projects. Like, mm-hmm. um, I like, uh, I'm a part of this other project too, um, which sometimes I, I contribute, sometimes the contributions make it um, onto the records and sometimes not, but I also play live with, it's called Holy Mattress Money. And <laughs> they're, that project's doing a lot of, st- a lot of cool stuff too. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So in regards to touring, you had mentioned that you didn't want to get onto a tour that didn't fit, um, you know, in line with uh, what you're putting out. Are you looking for like, um, like support slots on different tours or are you looking to do like your own? No, I, I, I'm looking to do like support first Mm -hmm. because, um, because I think it's important to get in front of people like that that you're maybe wouldn't wouldn't be per mm-hmm. se like they, um, but and like with my music like it kind it fits like so I played shows with like just uh, damn near every genre you can think of because live it's definitely kind of like the records on steroids a little bit mm-hmm. you know so. And that's with a lot of with a lot of groups, but like with the guitars, with the electronic stuff, with the live instrumentation, it like it kind of crosses over into a, a lot of genres. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's you know I've I've played I've also played shows where it's gone well and I've like made new supporters, but I don't know that the percentage of, of, of that for how much it costs, it could cost, you know, because mm-hmm. I know everyone thinks that that be, getting on a tour means you're, like, like just killing it and making all kinds of money, but mm-hmm. that's not always the case at, at first, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like you have to, like, pay your own, you have to pay your own way, man, you know, so, yeah. and what you're getting out of it is for the long run, so, and, like, building like real real supporters so that's why it's important to pick the right to take the right one because i really want like all i want to do is connect with people that really feel connected to me genuinely mm-hmm. and and feeling that like on a smaller scale with with my projects definitely makes me not want to just jump on every on every single thing you know i've opened for 
like a lot of a lot of acts like one-offs in that too and it was like really cool but at the same time it's like you have to choose wisely you really want people that are feeling you you your whole vibe and energy that those are the ones going to be the ones that stick with you you know so mm -hmm. and how do you go about um finding these opportunities or connecting with people to get get onto these support tickets so it's really just about relationships man like i think for me that that's what like genuine genuine relationships is how it's happened for me because you know when you're just and there are sometimes like you know you have to make quote unquote cold call or whatever but i i feel like the genuine relationships are the way like local at first locally i played I was doing my own shows and playing and then supporting whoever that bit came into town, you know, but that all, that came from proving myself on the local level first, right? And then being able to get those opportunities. And then from there, it's like I have friends that are in bigger bands and that, and if something, an uh, opportunity comes up, they'll hit me up about it or like, mm -hmm put me in contact with someone that they know but it's really pretty much all organic or and sometimes people will a lot of times actually people will reach out like um i did a show with uh d are you familiar with mark rivalette no i don't think so he's like a, a youtube phenom now but he's like he like does these like impromptu like uh impromptu songs but he's like a great producer and like he comes up with stuff like on the fly looping stuff mm -hmm. but um like for instance for that you know like the the promo west live part of ag they like hit me up you know and reached out and that wasn't even like my city at all so mm -hmm. they reached out like a year before that and it's crazy because I was just telling someone, don't ever count like the small stuff like it doesn't mean anything. They put me on a, a their their like playlist. They put me on this playlist a year before or maybe eight months before that. Mm -hmm. And then from that I reached back out and and just said, Hey, if you guys have anything that I would fit on and it was a completely different person and then from there they reached out to me about playing you know shows and they're all like sold out you know what i mean mm -hmm. so and i gained a lot of traction that way too but but that's how it's all it's always worked for me just being genuine and like true to myself and not being like you know just one of those dudes man that are just like or i'll, I'll i'm not gonna limit it to guys so mm -hmm. <laughs> one of those people that are just thirsty like and there's a there's a fine line between being persistent and just not being like if you're approaching someone and you don't even like know who you're approaching or like don't take the time to find out their name or nothing it just seems like like kind of i don't know just just odd it just comes off as like just just thirsty you know mm -hmm. you're just like shooting at anything and i think that puts a lot of people off whether it be a blog or whether it be someone that might potentially like book you later or or for a tour because i feel like 
when they know that you're a genuine person, I think they kind of like feel like they could trust you, even putting you in contact with someone. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So that makes sense. Um, well, yeah, I mean, this is all great stuff, man. Uh, where can uh, where can people f- find you online? Where are you most active, and uh, what are your handles? So my handle everywhere is at Shavar Dante, C-H-A-V-A-R-D-O-N-T-A-E, on every platform, so at Shavar Dante. But I'm on Instagram. I, I love Instagram, man. Like, mm. that's like, <laughs> that's like, uh, I feel like Facebook is good, too. I just get inundated with, like, like stuff on there. Mm-hmm. So, like, on my on my on my old personal that I don't really use all that much, but you have to have it for your page. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I get more engaged. People like just contact my personal one more than the music one. So the Instagram is like my favorite one, but I'm on all of them. I check them all. So mm-hmm. all right, cool. Yeah. And I want more. What's that? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I wish more people were on Twitter though, man. I love Twitter too. <laughs> I think I missed it on Twitter, man. I, I never got into it from the start. And now it just seems like too overwhelming to even bother starting. <laughs> man, you just put it out there, man, like it, with the reckless abandon. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But that's what I love about it, man. It's just like there's some of the funniest stuff that starts on Twitter, man. It's yeah. like hilarious. It's it's. I call it like that's like my escape room, like of social media is Twitter. Because mm. there's like, there's like you can get information, but there's not like every random person, and it, it's just funny, man. You could just you could have complete one-offs, and it's like, okay, that's it. Mm-hmm. You said something, and there's not like this whole backlog of stuff that anyone has to dive deep into. You know, you can, but it's not like as deeply rooted in your entire being as like Facebook is. So. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you doing this, man. I think this is probably a good place to wrap up. Um, we could probably go on for a lot longer. Um, yeah, yeah, man. But yeah, uh, can you remind everyone of um, you know the the song that's out, uh, where they can find it, and um, and yeah, I guess that's about it. Yeah, so Keep My Cool. It's out on all of your favorite platforms. Um, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to music, you can find it. Mm-hmm. So it's called Keep My Cool, though. It's just a, it's the cool, like, little summer driving feel-good kind of a song. And I think we all kind of need that little, that little vibe of warm weather and carefree living right oh, yeah. now so <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can use that right now <laughs> yeah for sure man so dude you stay safe out, safe out there man yeah we're just staying quarantined you know but like i said i, I work from home so i'm like already been quarantined <laughs> yeah 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 right for sure man <laughs> all right cool man well uh thank you again for doing this um i really appreciate it and you know i, I appreciate you sharing your experiences and uh, your insights and knowledge. Oh, my pleasure, man. And it, it's been a pleasure, been a pleasure um, being on with you, man. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to your future episodes too, man. Oh, thanks, man. 
Um, all right, well, cool. Yeah. Thank you, dude. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in and listening to another episode of About to Drop. For more info, please go to our page, www.vertigomusic, that's V-R-T-I-G-O music.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to follow and subscribe to us on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Thanks and see you soon.